0: Hey there, everyone. Welcome to Filled with Messages. If you don't know me, my name is Ruth Farrell, and I am, amongst other things, the lead pastor at St. Peter United Church of Christ in Lake Zurich, Illinois. Thanks for joining me today. This week, we experience the winter solstice, sometimes also referred to as the longest night. On that day, we only have a little more than nine hours of daylight here in northern Illinois. Seems terribly depressing until you think about it this way. We've made it. We're on the downward slope to summer once again. Hallelujah. For centuries, people have celebrated the winter solstice in many cultures by creating huge bonfires to brighten the night. This year, the winter solstice also brought the so-called Christmas star, the conjunction of Jupiter and Saturn in the night sky, which you were able to see right after sunset just above the southwestern horizon, at least one of the nights it wasn't raining here. I hope you went out and took a look at the amazing astronomical event and maybe imagined yourself as the magi seeing the star. And Who knows, maybe the star they saw was even this very same conjunction of planets. In the church, we often take time around the winter solstice to acknowledge grief, the weightiness of the world, the brokenness we still see all around us. Sometimes we hold blue Christmas services, Where we can openly acknowledge that Christmas isn't all holly and jolly, but that it brings up a lot of pain for many of us. Often at Blue Christmas services, the beloved carol and our carol of the day, What Child Is This? is sung. Perhaps it's often sung at these services because the lyrics are set to the tune Greensleeves, which is in a minor key. To our western ears, music in minor keys is melancholic, sad, somber, We often sing songs in minor keys more slowly and carefully. What child is this also lends itself to blue Christmas services, to times when we are struggling to feel Christmas joy, because its lyrics ponder a deep question. What child is this whom we worship and celebrate and call the king of kings and proclaim brings peace and goodwill to all people? Deep, philosophical, theological questions like these are often the questions we are wrestling with when we're struggling through life. Mary wrestled with deep, philosophical, and theological questions when she was greeted with the news of her pregnancy. She fought to understand what was happening to her. The angel's greeting did not bring her comfort and joy. It brought her terror and confusion. Into her anxiety, anxiety. And into our anxiety, God sent messages of his love, grace, and presence, which did not answer all her questions, but did empower her. Hear these words from Luke's Gospel, chapter 1, verses 26 to 38. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a baby in her old age, and she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word be to me to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Will you pray with me? Holy Spirit, come to us now. Open our hearts and our minds to hear you speaking words of light and courage, and love, and hope to us. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts, may they be acceptable in your eyes, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. What child is this? I cannot imagine how many times Mary asked herself this question as she looked at her changing body, felt the tiny kicks, While we don't know if Mary's pregnancy was a physically difficult one, we can assume that it was an emotionally difficult one, one filled with her own questions and doubts, Joseph's questions and doubts, her family's questions and doubts, her neighbors and friends' questions and doubts, along with their side glances and gossip and avoidance of her. Mary's question started the moment Gabriel appeared before her. Our English translations of Luke's often say something like, she was confused by these words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. The original Greek of this text is much stronger. The word translated confused means greatly troubled, stirred up, distressed, having agitated inner thoughts and emotions. It's a highly unusual word, and therefore a word that's meant to stand out to those reading the story. Mary was in incredible distress when Gabriel appeared before her. Mary also wondered, or sometimes English translations say she pondered what type of greeting Gabriel's might be. This is another unusual Greek word, and a particularly frenetic one. Mary went back and forth in her mind, trying to analyze and make sense of the situation. She was extremely confused. There's even an implication that a mind in this condition will come to a mixed up, at least somewhat incorrect, conclusion. My heart breaks for Mary in her distress. Mary was a young girl. Scholars argue about how old, but probably somewhere between 12 and 14. Not even the most mature teenager would have been prepared to be visited by an angel with mind-boggling, completely illogical news like Gabriel brought. It also appears Mary was alone when the angel arrived. Of course she was terrified. We all would have been. My heart not only breaks for Mary, but my spirit also empathizes with her. While to the best of my knowledge, I haven't been visited by an angel, I have had moments in life where I've been confused, greatly distressed, having incredibly agitated inner thoughts and emotions. I've had times where my mind has been so anxious going back and forth over every little detail of a situation, trying to make sense of it, and coming up with nothing. I suspect all of us have or will find ourselves in moments like these. They're horrible, terrifying, heartbreaking, life-shattering moments. Gabriel sees Mary's distress and tries to reassure her. As a hug from an angel probably would have only made Mary more afraid, Gabriel uses his primary tools as God's messenger. That's what the word angel literally means. He uses words and ideas to try to reassure her. Firstly, Gabriel tells Mary she is, as our English translations put it, highly favored. I don't love this translation because it seems to imply that God plays favorites, which I'm not so sure works theologically. It also bugs me because the Greek word is grace. Mary is in God's good graces. God is showering more grace upon Mary. God is filling Mary with love, kindness, blessing, generosity, gentleness. God, Gabriel attests, is also with Mary. Whenever we read in the Bible that God is with someone, it's meant to be seen as a comfort, an encouragement, an empowerment. It's so easy to feel alone in this world, and we can only imagine just how deeply alone Mary felt when Gabriel surprised her. God has promised to always be with us, but we need to be reminded of God's presence with us over and over again. Especially when we are in deeply distressing situations, we need to be told repeatedly that God is with us and will never leave us nor forsake us especially in those times when it feels very much like God is absent from us. We need to have the promise of God's constant presence with us, sung over us, prayed over us, whispered in our ears by those who can hold hope for us when we cannot hold hope for ourselves. Gabriel does this for Mary. Don't be afraid is Gabriel's next attempt at reassurance. Admittedly, this phrase isn't very comforting by itself. If you walked up to a stranger on a street and said in your best herald angel voice, do not be afraid, I'm pretty sure you would terrify the person or at least get them to run away from you. Gabriel's words can only possibly help because he has already reassured Mary of God's grace and presence with her. But all of Gabriel's attempts at comforting Mary fall flat. Mary pushes back against his news, against his tidings of comfort and joy. Impossible, she says. Teenage Mary looks God's mouthpiece in the eyes and says, you're making this all up. The words coming out of your mouth are complete nonsense. You literally don't understand how humans work. Do you think Gabriel was annoyed by Mary's moxie? Do you think he rolled his eyes and thought teenagers? Or do you think Gabriel inwardly chuckled to himself, smiled graciously at this amazing young woman standing before him, and realized just how good a job God had done in picking this person to bear the Messiah? Finally, Gabriel said, nothing is impossible with God. We know how Mary's story ends, but she didn't. She must still have been wondering, am I really favored by God? What does that mean? Is God really with me? How do I make sense of all of this? Am I going crazy? Yet something in her knew that the time to push back, the time to question God further the time to say this doesn't make any sense it was over. It was time to embrace the life-altering news. It was time to trust that what God was saying through Gabriel was true. It was time to be courageous and humbly accept her situation. So she responded, I am the Lord's servant. Let it be with me, just as you have said. The author of Ecclesiastes and perhaps more famously, the birds, said, there is a season for everything and a time for every matter under the heavens, a time for giving birth and a time for dying, a time for planting and a time for uprooting, and on and on. We could add to this famous list a time for moxie and a time for meekness, a time to question, to push back, to insist that God answer our questions, and a time to meekly, Humbly say, I am the Lord's servant. I trust you. I will wait for the answers to come. Many of us struggle to know when to have the moxie to fight and when in humility to be meek. May we look to Mary when we're in these circumstances. May we meditate on this story and allow it to give us wisdom and grace for the moments when God sends messages of life-altering news and we are greatly distressed and our minds can't make sense of it. So bring him incense, gold, and myrrh. Come, peasant, king, to own him. The king of kings salvation brings. Let loving hearts enthrone him. Mary didn't have incense, gold, or myrrh to bring to her baby, but to enthrone him in her heart, she used what she did have, her moxie and her meekness. May we follow her in doing the same. Thanks so much for joining me today, my friends. I hope this message has given you some encouragement and some hope. God's grace and peace be with you today and always, my dears. Talk to you soon. Bye.